Hello and welcome to a new episode of our MBSE podcast. After having no guests at all in our last episode, uh, we now have uh, two guests, um, or two and a half men, <laughs> which reminds me of another series. Uh, anyway, we <laughs> want to talk about the topic, uh, the craft of MBSE, which our two guests, Michael Winnicek and Christoph Fischer, wrote together with me. So I'm the half guest. Uh, so today I'm not just the host, uh, but also a bit of a guest. And Christian is therefore then one and a half host. Huh? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, before things get any more complicated, um, I'll switch to our guests um, and who will introduce themselves in the usual way. So we'll start with Mike. So Mike, please introduce yourself. Yes. Hi, I'm Mike Vinarsik. I'm the Director for Digital Architecture and Requirements Engineering at SAIC. I'm also an adjunct professor at the University of Detroit Mercy, and I've been active as a system modeler for a number of years. I'm fairly widely published and won the uh, first ever world championship of systems architecting last year at Integrate 23. And it was a real pleasure for me to contribute to this book with Tim. Thanks, Mike. And Christoph. Hello, my name is Christoph Fischer. I'm working as a principal uh, system engineer and enterprise architect at Roche Diabetes Care uh, in the area of insulin delivery systems and other around diabetes care. And in that, uh, and before I had now over two uh, decades uh, the chance and the possibility to work in medical domain in different yeah, devices from pulse oximeters over sleep therapy devices to yeah, everything around diabetes care. And during this journey, I learned a lot about when systems become more complex and more bigger, uh, what is this means. And one of the important enabler to get this done is system engineering, model-based system engineering. And so I was really happy uh, that I had a chance also to work on this craftsmanship. So the next I'd, uh, or the star on system engineering or model-based system engineering to become on this longer road better and better. And so I'm happy to be here. Great. Yeah. Nice to have you too. And of course, also Tim. Um, so let's let's start easy. How, how did the idea for the book come about? Tim, you are the book writer and you always write books and some, some <laughs> plenty of them in parallel. So how did this idea come by? Well, that book project, the project began a long time ago, I think almost 10 years or so. Um, I was researching agile systems engineering that time and worked with um, Ari van Benekum, uh, who is one of the authors of the agile manifesto. And we worked uh, on an agile manifesto for systems engineering. And well, to, to make a long story short, uh, our conclusion was that uh, you don't have to change that much in the agile manifesto and you find more on it uh, on our website, agilesystemsengineering.com. And during that time, um, Closely related to the HI movement is, uh, in software engineering is also the software craftsmanship movement. And I found the approaches just as relevant to systems engineering and couldn't find anything about it. So there was nothing about craftsmanship with uh, systems engineering. So I started to write something down and that's how the book started. Uh, but well, the progress was very, very slow. Uh, I read a lot about it and looked at it from different angles, but at the same time, I wasn't bored and was fully booked with other projects like Cisnel V2, for example. Um, yeah, and then I met Mike about yeah six, eight years ago or so. And I remember we had a dinner together at an 
OMG meeting. I think it was in Washington. Uh, and But I can't remember how we got together on the book project. So maybe, Mike, you can remember it. Sure. I actually had to mind my old emails. But what had happened, I came into this fairly late. I missed a lot of the early work in model-based systems engineering. And so after 18 years in automotive, I switched over to aerospace defense. And so as I began to model, my focus was on using modeling for solving problems. You know, I missed the whole diagram fest that was early MBSE. And so I became aware of Tim's work. I had studied for the OCSMP exams. Um, I had purchased the SysMod book, which is how Tim uh, Tim's work became familiar to me. And I would randomly check his website. And one day I noticed this, this comment about wanting to do a craft of MBSE book. I had recently published uh, a paper or presented at the No Magic World Symposium that year on a very similar topic. Uh, I also had done a, a presentation somewhat tongue-in-cheek called A Swashbuckler's Guide to SysML Modeling you know, with a focus on you know, being Jack Sparrowisk and having fun, not necessarily being a pirate, don't get me wrong. But the, So I reached out to Tim in December of uh, 2016, uh, pointed this out, said that you know, I'd love to work with him on this, and uh, that's when that discussion began. And I can honestly say that many of the delays – uh, related to the publication book, squarely rest on my shoulders. In the interim, you know, obviously COVID happened. I have many teaching duties, and I was also the Encozy treasurer for four years. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, Tim and I were trying to work together. And if anyone wants to be blamed for the delays in the book, it would be me. But that's how I got engaged. You know, two like-minded individuals from different backgrounds uh, finding each other through publication and having an opportunity to collaborate. Okay, and Christoph, how did you come to those? Two original authors. So I mentioned before that I had now the chance to work over two decades uh, in uh, yeah, system engineering in the medical domain. And um, I made the classical mistake at the beginning when I saw that our systems become more bigger and bigger and complex and complexer. And I was or not a- anymore in working in Excel or in Microsoft Word to get these requirements documents done. I looked into what can be better done, how I can evolve with this for the company. And then over time, I come into the topic of system engineering, model-based system engineering, and everything that comes with it. And at the end, it ended it that I introduced two chains, uh, right, uh, internal um, documentation, how to use uh, system uh, version one at that point in time, and um, give internal trainings on this topic. And I recognize it's evolving, more and more teams are jumping on it. And at some point in time, you come at limitations. Um, you cannot uh, keep everything up to date. You cannot do all the trainings. Um, it's not my main job. I am designing systems, not giving trainings. So I come to the conclusion I need to change something. And uh, instead of reinventing the wheel, I looked outside. And then, yeah, there's a lot of good books. And by the way, also some from Tim, which I read at uh, this point in time. Uh, and I was thinking, mm, I want it practical. I wanted usable, and then I uh, stumbled over, and I still never forget this. This was in Asia in a hotel uh, where I was waiting for someone, and I was looking and browsing what are good books available, and I stumbled over um, this mod, uh, another book from Tim. And this is how I come involved in this topic, by that way that I follow this book, I read other books, I really, um, go in contact with uh, Tim, had some yeah, internal trainings and this kind of stuff. And at some point in time, I also saw there's a book. And I saw this book, uh, Craftsman's um, by MBC. And I was thinking, yeah, that's the next level. I would like to get this also for reading. 
And I was asking Tim and Tim again, when it's done, when it's done, when it's done. <laughs> and at some point in time, uh, I changed my strategy and asked Tim how I can help you to get it done. And then <laughs> now a little bit more than one and a half year, um, where we come to a conclusion. And yeah, Mike and Tim were so nice to say, okay, you can support this, help us to get it done. And then the plan was to get it in one year done. And we changed a lot in uh, some areas in how we, the table of content, how we organize things. There was a lot of, of good stuff there. Uh, we added especially these crafts, uh, patterns, practices, and principles with more, I would say, hands-on parts, because I said for me, it's also important, this practical part, hands-on part. And then, yeah, we get it on the day before Christmas done. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, so the first thing that was finished was the cover. <laughs> it was finished <laughs> 10 years ago. So <laughs> okay. Cool. So, guys, we multiple, multiple times mentioned the craft of MBSE, but we did not explain what it is. So, Tim, for our listeners, what is the craft of MBSE? Yeah, that's not so easy to grasp. Like, so what is H-Line? So it's... Um... Uh, but we have a definition in our book, of course, so I can read directly from the book. Uh, I open it here. So the craft of MBSE is the ability to emphasize skills, passion, attitude, practicality, and humanity at performing MBSE. And an MBSE practitioner with this ability has the desire to do a job well for its own sake. Oh, okay. This is why it's not the art of MBSE. I get it. No, it's a craft of MBC. <laughs> right. Great. So, and what does it mean for becoming a craftsman's person in MBSE? Is there something special about MBSE type of guys? Christoph, do you have an idea or an opinion on this? Yeah, as mentioned before, I think this topic about lifelong learning. As said, for me, I said it was first reading books, reading papers. And um, I recognized at some point in time um, that maybe this is the art point uh, in it. Um, there's also maybe a little bit art that when you do this kind of models of a complex system and recognize by how you uh, make your slices and views and so on and become easy to understand, looks nice, meaning of organized, and I, uh, my aha effect was at some point in time when even, even question marks, people who is really far away uh, from this kind of uh, working, like maybe salespeople, customer support, um, designers, and you can tell, show them, ah, before we design even the device, um, here is an activity diagram with these flows and then go for the logic. And this is why I think it's, by the fact that you want to become better by not just, for example, have a picture or visual chart or something like that. Um, and even next step, if you want to have it in a correct form, so for example, complying with certain rules like SysML to have a common understanding and definition, the next level is to make it easy to consume for others, um, make it, as mentioned, look nice. And that's what I think is a craftsperson or is a never-ending story. It's like always the current in front of you. You want to become better, better, better. And by doing more and more, you recognize as how much less you know. 
And that was also the interesting part for me uh, in this book project, because Tim explained uh, to me at some point in time, he started with some of these books um, uh, with the saying, I want to learn this about what I'm mm -hmm. writing, because by you researching it, you're reflecting it, you're discussing it with other peoples, you learn by own. And that's uh, what I think is the interesting part here with you're not by certification a craftsperson. Um, it's about, and uh, Tim already mentioned um, um, our definition, it's about you want to become it, you want to uh, do it for its own sake. And I would tend to agree with that. You know, I've I've done a lot of studies of, of expertise. I contribute some of the sections talking about Roger Kneebone's work. And then there's something about that commitment to excellence and personal growth. You know, years ago, I used a slide, two slides, and it had all these little thumbnails of all the common architecture books and, and other things that were available. And my question was, what do all these have in common? And the fact was, I'd read them all. And, and the point I was trying to make wasn't to pat myself on the back, but that there's a huge personal investment of time to get good at this. And as Tim and, and Christoph have said, the, the desire to do good work for its own sake. You know, I was fortunate to uh, have studied under John Thomas, who was a former Incozy president, and he was at Booz Allen when I was there. And occasionally he would come to Detroit and we would have dinner with the systems engineering team. And he infused this with the need to to lead from the front as systems engineers. It wasn't about checking boxes in a process or being a quality policeman. It was about shepherding systems to successful deployment and use. And it became obvious to me we weren't going to get there if everybody just worked a 40-hour week and was practically mediocre at what they did, right? So, you know, the dirty secret with many fields is there's not enough really good people to go around. And, you know, the best of us make fewer mistakes. We fix mistakes faster. We can ride hurt other people. And so it became a passion for me of how do I push myself to be the best version of myself? And how can I find like-minded people where we can challenge each other, upskill each other? And how do I find that person that doesn't realize they could be great at this and then encourage them? That's one reason why I teach. It's an opportunity for mm -hmm. me to to find these talented, um, motivated, enthusiastic people that just need a little bit of guidance to set them on that path to true mastery and to crafts, mm -hmm. true craftsmanship. But to me, it's about that, that enthusiasm, that desire to be, to, to be better and to have a meaningful impact on the outcomes. You know, another thing that's not often talked about, you know, this world is finite in terms of energy, resources, whatever. So all the energy and material we spend on failed projects that either should have been terminated sooner or could have been, shepherded through to success is pure waste and i'm a grumpy old man i just hate waste and anything we can do to to minimize that and help projects succeed or if we know they're not viable stop them early that's in all of our mutual best interest and for anyone who's interested uh, in seeing more on that i encourage you to read uh, michael griffin's how do we fix systems engineering it's a fabulous paper talking about the need for people with enthusiasm and skill and drive that ask the right questions. Yeah, that's uh, very interesting to hear or to see your your point of view. In Germany, we say to, to become an expert, you need at least 10,000 hours, working hours on the topic. Yeah, and this would be more or less, I don't know, five years uh, nonstop, 40 hours a week <laughs> uh, on a topic. 
uh, or more than five years. And I think only the real passionate people are are getting really good at it, uh, and and will will yeah take all the ten thousand hours before leaving to something else, which might be in favor for them. Yeah, you could argue about the number of hours, right? I would argue some of us have a steeper slope than others. Some may take more, some may take, but it is, it's not zero. It's a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I would suggest so the other thing that's unusual that really is necessary for success is being self-critical. You know, a lot of people will put 10,000 hours in and do it the same way at hour 10,000 they did at hour one. You have to be willing to look at your work last week and say, hey, how could I be better today? You know, it was funny when I was first getting into this, you know, some of my colleagues and I would look at models we had built three months before and realized we would do it totally different today. So I think that's the other missing piece is that desire to be self-critical and, and not so in love with your opinions and your work that you can't challenge yourself to do it better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... Um what, what uh, Christoph and, and you said, Mike, uh, also explains why, for example, there's no um, no craftsmanship certification program out there. Right? It, it evolved from, from Agile, and, and we know Agile is also well known for all their certification programs, uh, but there's no certification, as far as I know, for, for craft, and I think that's not possible. You cannot certify that someone is a craftsperson, no? so it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a never-ending story, no? lifelong learning. Don't we do this in Germany with uh, all our craftsmen? So it's it's not an abstract thinking job like a systems engineer does, but in for for something like a plumber, it's it's a craftsmanship, and we we certify it, so to say, in by a school and yeah. And I'm still missing, and I'm I'm looking to to Mike. Uh, I, I've, it's fantastic that you have systems engineering courses or even whole studies uh, in the United States, and we are lacking of this in Europe totally. It's it's catastrophe here. Well, I, I would say this mm-hmm. too. You know, craftsmanship, like in the guild system, part of it was exclusionary, but part of it was to maintain a standard of quality. Right, you were an apprentice. You became a journeyman, you upskilled, and then when you want to be a master, you would present a master work for judging, mm-hmm. and the other masters would decide if you were good enough to be considered a master, right? You know, you can look at Star Wars with the Jedi Knights if you want, whatever. But the point <laughs> is that, uh, you know, I think there is a community in MBSC where those of us that are at the top know each other and we respect each other's work and that uh, when it comes to teaching, though, I think there's a lot to be said for the craft model. Yeah, my father was a tool and die maker here in America and had a very practical output, uh, very practical mindset. He would tell me tool and die makers will always succeed. They will make it work. And I guess that infused me a little bit. But when I teach systems engineering uh, and MBSC, it's not just a classroom class. It's, you know, seven weeks of how do you navigate the tool and do certain diagrams. But then it's seven weeks of congratulations, you five people are modeling a Mars orbiter together. And so I really feel the thing that we need, and not every U.S. curriculum is like this, and I would love to see this expand internationally, but I think it's that shared experience of working towards a common goal in modeling where you understand that all this data in the tool has a purpose. 
You know, one of my happiest moments is at the end of the term, the students have modeled successfully the validation rules, which could be a whole nother topic of a lecture. You know, encode as much smarts as I can into the model to make sure it's complete and consistent and coherent. When they're done, I export that and show them, look, you just made a thousand pages of content about this system. Hmm. Could you have done that as a team of six in, you know, seven weeks, any other way? And that's when the light bulb comes on that this is the way to steward this information collectively. And it's that shared experience that really moves them forward in skill and understanding. Mm -hmm. Christoph, you have a similar view on this? Yeah, um, if I may add to this, and um, Mike already touched it, uh, system engineering is not only uh, what you do for yourself uh, or if you become uh, or want to go this journey, as it's sometimes called. It's also, and there's a lot of similarities, as we also uh, try to show in the book, with uh, other things uh, like um, this yeah, well-known apprenticeship model, where you first an apprentice, become a journeyman, and then a master, which is maybe more medieval thinking in more uh, Asia-driven or Asia-driven, you're thinking about the shuhari, where you're on a shoe level first try to learn, to repeat how you uh, go to the next step. At, and that's the part which I would like to add to the whole thing. You come at some point in time to this ring where you give it to the next people, your colleagues, uh, your co-workers, uh, your students. And it's also about, um, I think, from my point of view, giving it um, further down. And uh, and it's not only that you what you learned, give to others, uh, so that they are maybe not repeating your mistakes, or at least learn out of them. No, it's also that you get something back, because in the discussion, again, you learn something, but that you're becoming also better, you extend your viewpoints. I think it keeps you young if you have a lot to do with uh, students and uh, yeah, children in general, um, because you learn from them. You know, I know Tim teaches as well, I believe, in his in yeah. his day job. And the other thing I find useful when I teach is sometimes students will find something novel. You know, there were a few innovations in my modeling approach that were actually triggered by students. I thought they were making a mistake. And then as I looked at it more closely, I was like, oh, that actually works better than what I've been teaching. And then we'll switch to that, which, again, comes back to that openness of chasing an objective better way to do it and not just being mm -hmm. in love with your approach. Have, have you had similar experiences, Tim? Yeah, exactly. It's the same. Uh, so um, when I teach, I think I sometimes I, I learn more than my students. <laughs> so so for, from all their questions or, or their findings, no, so I, you, you learn a lot, uh, and you need this this openness. No, that I'm I'm not the, the master teacher and know everything, and uh, so that's no, it's, it's um, on the on the same level with them. Yeah, you know, I think the other challenge we all face too with this is that it's. You know, unlike physics or math, which you can teach with a piece of chalk, right? To teach system modeling and get good at it, you you cannot escape the fact that you need a tool, you need a language, and you need a method. And they're all interwoven with each other. You cannot really effectively teach MBSC with a chalkboard. And so that's the mm -hmm. other challenge with all this. And I think part of the place a lot of the early efforts derailed was that they were so focused on diagrams and such they lost sight of the outcome. And I think the thing that really distinguished the craftsman in addition to doing good work for its own sake is that it's also work with a purpose. 
It's not just we're making a beautiful, useless model, but it's laser focused on getting the right information to the right people at the right time so they can make the right decision and improve the odds of program success. So I, I guess I open it up to my yeah. other two guests. What's what's your take on that? Yeah, I think we, we had too much focus on on diagrams the last now 30 years, no? so since since UML. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, books are full of explanations how how it works, what what this box means and what that line means, but you found not so much information about about the model behind the diagrams and um and that's the important part. No? And it's not only the the data structure. It's no, then it's uh, this well, yeah the the craft the to, to work with yeah. the model, the semantics. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. yeah. hopefully that's... this will change with SysML v two. No, SysML v two is uh, much more precise and has this texture notation, so it uh, distract hopefully a bit from from the diagrams and um, no maybe we, yeah. we will now do more real modeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that in many discussions of integrating SysML to, I don't know, a PLM system or something, the biggest issue was the diagram doesn't look like in my tool. And the thing is, don't care about the diagram. It has no meaning (laughs) that the actors of of kind A are all to the left and the others to the right. It has no meaning. Uh, Model it correctly. We're in a dangerous space because I hate that. I've told people, if you're using geographical location on a picture as a surrogate for data, you don't know how to model. I mean, what's your perspective on that, Christoph? Um, I would like to add another angle. It's, I think, and it's also about experience to understand what is good enough. Not because a mm-hmm. framework is telling you need to disue, 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 you draw all of the views and maybe nobody is consuming it. It's about understanding what is at this point in time in your system lifecycle, in your development, or from early concept phase to maybe retirement, what is at this point in time required for understanding, for overview, and so on. And another aspect is here that you also understand um, um, what does it mean to have a scalable structure you um maybe in um making simple thing you have a system uh, with uh, my example five system elements uh, which uh, composing the systems and um at this point in time you maybe only focus on first system element and then you go into detail there uh, and again it's decomposing give more and more elements below but you always goes only down as necessary and this could be that at the end you have in some areas because it's important because it's required you go really deep into a domain in others area you maybe have only a box high level it exists uh, and that is about um understanding you want to have it structured that way that you are scalable that you can go into details when necessary that from the beginning you know how to set up the architecture as in meaning of uh, diagrams structure and behavior, but also in how you organize your deliverables, your artifacts, that you can extend when it's necessary to extend, but you um, find for your domain, your room, um, and definition about when it's good enough. For example, before it goes in a domain, uh, like electrical, software, um, mechanics, uh, which is already very deep. Or it's maybe on a level where you say, before an end user uh, break the pieces into parts because you only need to the user interaction. 
So that is about this experience to understand when it's good enough. And from the beginning, even if you know that at the beginning, maybe you only need a system context diagram, the everything which you set up in behind is already prepared that when you need it, you can easily extend it without, and that's, I think, where modeling is also handy compared to pictures, you can extend it without redrawing everything. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I go on at length in some of my lectures about the need in almost every discipline to set that good enough bar at the right place, right? Because if you set it too high, you take on cost for no reason. And if you set it too low, you have nothing but problems. And much of that goes to, to quote Christopher Alexander, making our choices deliberately and in the least arbitrary way possible. We should have a good reason why we stopped at a certain level. It shouldn't just be random. And it's amazing to me how many times I'll review a model done by a different organization. And I'll ask them, well, why did you do this or stop here? And they have no answer. And that should never be the case. You should always know why you've gone to nine decimal places or stopped at the first significant figure. I mean, it, you should just know that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but our book, I would say, has has two parts. No, one part is about um, what is craft, and uh, the other part is is a collection of what we call the free piece. Christoph already mentioned the free piece. Uh, it's um, principles, practices, and patterns, um, and then we say for short, free piece. So, yeah, Christoph, can you explain what is our free piece collection in the book? Oh, now you got me. Uh, now you can <laughs> see if I uh, really listen when you wrote it. Um, I think maybe first we should uh, shortly um, speak about what we mean with uh, these uh, things. So um, if you're thinking about this principle, are they, from my point of view, our point of view, guiding concepts, ideas, or values stated in a context-independent manner, so in a general way, um, so that you can yeah, apply them in a more general way. Um, if you go down the next level in the details, you come into these practices and then you can for sure debate if it's good practices or proven practices or whatever you want to call it, but it's uh, already in a context dependent way. It's already broken down to more usable. And if uh, you do the same thing again and again uh, in a similar way, um, then we use the term patterns here, which is a formalized practice. It's like, um, yeah, uh, work instruction, a check mark, uh, a to-do list, uh, something which you, uh, again, uh, uh, can repeat because you do it in a similar way. So, uh, and the idea is now, uh, and that's, uh, I think, really also where the community hopefully come into place. Uh, we started with our collection of things which we think uh, are a good start, which we come in our mind to our history where we thought this is something we want to write about. And there are, I would say, if you allow me two requests now to this listener of this podcast and also in future, or uh, when we speak also hopefully later about what comes next, is um, please provide feedback what you think about this patterns and practices and principles which we collected in certain domains um, and add things where you think we're missing something because we started in the area of um, what was it uh, uh, general so up, which apply to in general context uh, like things like a free thinking problem solving process uh, system thinking uh, and so on a really high level um, then I think, and I now need to look into the table of content, modeling, which goes more 
what is modeling, but without going into a language, so in a general way, like um, continuous integration, topics about automated validation, um, modeling why questions, so why you do something and how far. And last thing, because we free, yeah, obviously working a lot with SysML, where then again free piece in the context of SysML. But yeah, this doesn't mean that it's limited to SysML. If someone, for example, want to speak about another modeling language, yeah, then that's the opportunity. I hope yeah. I didn't forget something because you really surprised <laughs> me by this question. <laughs> <laughs> no, perfect, perfect. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's it's important um, to add that um, these practices and they can also be, yeah, cr contradictory. No, so so for example, different naming conventions, um, and I think this is also a part of the craft uh, to to be able to withstand this that you have contradictory um, methods or conventions, um, but you can withstand this and and you are able to to use it no? in, in in the appropriate context then. Mm -hmm. Mike, any... especially I think. Oh, so, well, I was gonna say I think it's an exciting time to be doing all this, right? You know, I one of the books I'd read a while back was uh, "What Engineers Know and How They Know It," and it's talking about the birth of aeronautical engineering and how they had to translate good stick feel that a pilot wanted to engineering uh, design guidelines, you know, damping and and other things that all work together to give the pilot what they want. In many ways, we're doing that right now for systems engineering and our stakeholders, right? What is the way to get a model that's generally useful, but provides key stakeholders what they want? How do we extend it for given domains? And as we settle on these principles, one thing I don't think we talk enough about is suppressing bad ideas. You know, we live in a time when everyone's opinion is equally valid and how dare you say someone's wrong. And I'm, I'm teasing just a little bit. But I think mm -hmm. we're, as a community, we have to decide what right looks like and just begin to say, hey, we had the discussion. It's over. This is how you do it. You know, mechanical engineers do not have 15 different ways to do a free body diagram. There are eight different ways to draw a circuit. I mean, at some point, certain aspects of this will have to become standardized. And I think that goes to, you know, again, thoughtful adoption of best practices from other disciplines. Personally, I feel many times we are misapplying software concepts to systems. And if, I mean, I'm not saying that some don't apply, but we need to be more thoughtful. I mean, I'm a skeptic about certain aspects of object-oriented. In my world, reality is not object-oriented and slavish inheritance sometimes causes more problems than it solves. Now we'll see how System L2 impacts that. But again, we need to have these discussions between us so we can then standardize on these principles, practices, patterns that have been proven over time to be useful, vetted by the community, and then we can move on and have the discussion on the next area. I feel like everybody feels they have their secret sauce and 80% of it's common, can we just agree on it and move out and, and and begin tackling the next challenge as opposed to reinventing the wheel? I think Tim had said, you know, we've been stuck about diagrams for 30 years. For, mm -hmm. for Please, a model is about the model. It's not about the diagrams. So there we go. Good. So um, that sounds to me like, um, yeah, it's it's a thing that wasn't there this craftsmanship of mbse and you want to evolve it and 
I know that you have already some kind of community on LinkedIn. And what are the plans for this? What what happens next? Yeah, so, well, it would be very arrogant to claim that we can know and write down all the important principles, patterns, and practices for MBSE. Um, so now our book is now, it's a starting point. And, and we hope it will be a spark that leads to, to more people in the MBSE community sharing their free piece. No? And our plan for, for future editions is um, well, that we change our roles more and more from, from being the authors of the book to being the editors of the book. Uh, and we collect free piece from the community and, and publish them in the book. Uh, or, or plus uh, somewhere online we already got some feedback that would be good to, to have uh, the free piece uh, online in a kind of a database and searchable and things like that. So there are already some good ideas in the community. And yes, we have a LinkedIn uh, group. Um, I think most people in our community are on LinkedIn. So we have a LinkedIn group um, called Craft of MBSE. So it's easy to find. And you can join uh, the group. And yeah, if you have a free key, then uh, provide it to the community and let's discuss it. And if we agree it's uh, good for the book, then it's part of the next edition. We also have a community on uh, LeanPub. Now, our book is published on LeanPub, and they also provide a forum, discussion groups, and so. Uh, but uh, I think LinkedIn is more more commonly used. Okay, yeah, that's then the idea. That's... We should definitely link the LinkedIn group down below in the info box, um, so people can find it quickly and try, can join yeah. you. Right. Yeah. So. Tim or Mike, Christoph, any additions to the craft of MBSE we did not talk about yet? I would well, say I it's would... never ending. Sorry, <laughs> I would say it's a never-ending story, and I think this is what Tim also meant. Uh, with um, we, um, we, I would like really to say, okay, let us move to the next stage. Let us uh, all consider uh, what it means to become better in this modern-based system engineering. Um, hopefully not making the same mistake because I'm also in the HR environment. And yes, I have done certification and this kind of stuff, um, <laughs> um, 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 HR and so on. Um, but yeah, at some point in time, you have the feeling it's more... Uh, certifications and getting the next uh, training program uh, or the new edition, which again invalidate your certification, you need a new certification. Um, so I hope you overcome, uh, will not fall into this um, pitfall, but it's um, that we all, everybody who are feeling with the status quo is not good enough, uh, want to involve himself, team, organization, or cross-organization that we together uh, really bring these pieces together, work on it, uh, discuss it, um, improve what is already maybe also written in the book. Uh, as I said, uh, we have just started with a PowerPoint. Um, we had some uh, feedback and reviews before, but that doesn't mean it's a never-ending story. And um, yeah, collect, improve, and from that learning. Yeah, I would agree. And I was going to say, I, I contributed to our logo that's over my shoulder here. If you notice, the tagline is Models, Methods, sorry, Methods, Models, Mastery. And I think that that sums up the essence of what I hope the discussion that this book helps to foster, right? There's 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 a lot of work we have to do to 
safely steward these coming systems, you know, autonomous vehicles. I mean, there's just a whole host of insanely complex and complicated cyber physical systems that our lives will depend on. And, and the world will be a better place if we do a good job with that. I don't see a way to steward that without really taking advantage of model-based systems engineering and the full digital engineering thread. And so, and I've told people in the past, you know, you could have sketchy doors or Excel-based requirements before, and we could all work our way around it sort of with uh, tribal knowledge and things. A digital thread, if, if you're trying to hook up some piece of sustainment information and the matching piece is not back there in the architecture model, the thread falls apart, right? We really have to hold ourselves to the highest standards at the beginning of these projects. And the only way to get there is to work together as a community. And so I really hope that this fosters that collegial sharing of best practices. I mean, obviously nothing competitive or, or sensitive, but our best practices so we can do a better job. And I hope that we're able to, to hold the tool vendors to higher standards for interoperability, uh, you know, standards, compliance and, and usefulness as a community, it's up to us to hold each other to those standards uh, and, and to hold ourselves to a desire to do a better job. I, I hope, if nothing else, everyone who watches this and reads the book wants to be a better version of themselves tomorrow and to reflect on their work. You know, I many times I'll open a model up and there's this pile of noodles or spaghetti of cross mounts and things. And, you know, it's like it's like your desk. It gets messy if you don't put energy into keeping it clean. We have to do that both for our individual work and the discipline. Let's put a little bit of energy forth to to maintain the essence of what we need to be getting done and to make it elegant and productive going forward. Tim, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, oh, I agree with both of you. <laughs> um, so there's nothing more to add from my side. And I switch back to the role um, of being the host. Um, so, and... Uh, we come to an end of this episode, um, but we, we could go to the next level and talk forever about <laughs> the craft <laughs> of MBSE. Uh, but now it's uh, yeah, 45 minutes. Um, and yeah, so um, let's look forward. Our next topic is not fixed yet. Um, we are still in contact with our guests uh, and looking for dates. Um, so stay tuned. We will announce it soon. And then I will close with that we should not forget. Trust us, we are systems engineers. Goodbye. Right. Bye bye.